Welcome to the Mad Max Minute. Secure those breathing masks and breathe deep because this is Mad Max Free Road, one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 8, which begins with Joe's breastplate being secured in place, and it ends with Joe being handed a microphone. Back again from Rocky Mountain Heights are Crystal Beth from the Fifth Element and George Hendricks from the Mogwai Minute. Represent Denver. George! I didn't know you were going to be here today. I'm here. I decided <laughs> I heard somebody was podcasting in Denver today and I wanted to crash in on it. <laughs> we're basically neighbors. Yeah. I'm actually surprised that you didn't go over to Crystal's house and just bang on the door and be like, hey, let me in. I would have been like, why are you here? It's like, I'm here to record. <laughs> no, I'd have been like, okay, We've come only in. got two mics. We have four mics. Oh, never mind. I guess I could have done that. Mm-hmm. Ooh, fancy. Yeah. We start off today with more of the... Immortan Joe getting ready to party montage. It's the part in the romantic comedy where Joe's coming out of the closet and he's wearing a different outfit and his appearers are standing there like, mm, no. And then he comes out in a different one. They're like, oh, next. Yeah. And so he eventually comes out in the outfit we know and they're like, oh, excellent. Great pick. Absolutely. It's that good old chest plate meets open sore story. Oh, God. That just, it looks painful. (laughs) The whole thing. And sticky and like, it makes me wonder if those blisters were, or if those holes were blisters before and then he got sweaty inside the plastic and then dried off. And when they took off the chest piece, the they ripped open. inside of it. But you know, that's why probably they apply powder to keep it from sticking. Yeah. Well, that's true. I'd be crazy if it were cocaine, but it's probably not. It's probably just some sort of like talcum powder derivative they've mined from the bowels of the earth. It's baby powder. Yeah. Eh. Made out of real babies. (laughs) (laughs) The ones that didn't turn out so good. You got to use what you got. Every part of the buffalo. Yep. They got to get their skulls for decoration from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Baby powder is ground baby skulls. Canon. (laughs) (laughs) God. (laughs) one of the standout details about joe's outfit is that it is molded to look like a very impressive physique despite the fact that underneath the armor he is you know an old man sagging in places nothing stays put forever (laughs) no he's a very average old man aside from you know the open source Mm. honestly he's pretty thick you could tell that he was a very muscular person when he was younger. Mm-hmm. You can tell, you can see it. Like when he sits, you can still see, like in the previous minute, you can still see the six pack underneath just with that loose skin that the old men at Venice Beach have. Mm-hmm. They like mm-hmm. still got it, but like maybe not as much. The crepe drapes. <laughs> <laughs> that is so unappetizing. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of like the the party paper that, you know, you streamers and stuff, but it's like on your skin. Ugh. And you stick your tongue to it and it gets soft. No. Ew. No, 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 oh, no, no. George. <laughs> well, you've never done that? That's very disturbing. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think nobody is very comfortable right now. I'm sad. <laughs> Remember at the top of this episode where I was making the joke about like a romantic comedy and changing uh-huh. outfits and stuff like that? That was fun, right? Yeah, yeah I missed yeah. that. <laughs> this is a romantic comedy just starring Buffalo Bill. So, aside from the sculpted nature of Joe's armor covering pieces, he also has a bunch of medals on one side and this decorative chain on the other. 
as well as all these medallions on his shoulder pieces. He's definitely dressed up to look like one of those, like, I don't know, like North Korean generals. Yeah. Classic dictator. Mm -hmm. Kim (laughs) Jong-il. So on the subject of the medals, I don't know, Rick, if you did much research into what the medals meant. Not really. I didn't either, because frankly, we've been down that road before. And it's an interesting road. It's just a very tedious road. The only thing I found out just by coincidence is the like electronic board at the top Mm -hmm. is from... I'm going to take a guess before you say it. Yeah. Is it one of those Nokia phones? Yes, it is. I knew it. It's a Nokia 6100. Those things are indestructible. (laughs) (laughs) I found that on a conversation on the Mad Max wiki about Joe. And on there, they also assume two things about the rest of his medals. One, he was a general before the apocalypse, which I'm assuming we find out from the comic book. Yep. Yep. General Joe Moore. If I remember correctly, Colonel. Double check that real quick. Maybe he was a Colonel. Can't remember. So some of those are from before the apocalypse. They were medals that he wore. And also some of the stuff on there is just him trying to hold on to and remember the pre-apocalypse. Grasping for straws. As the world was falling, Immortan Joe was just known as Colonel Joe Moore, just like you said. Mm -hmm. The more you Joe. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for giving us more than five minutes without a pun, though, George. I really appreciated that. I don't think that was whole five minutes, Chris. That was like two and a half, maybe. Five. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm working on it. And he had a motorcycle gang. Really? Or are you kidding? Nope. He had a motorcycle gang, and then it... Uh... Really? So the same actor who played the toe cutter had a motorcycle gang. Yeah, and the, over time, the gang expanded, and their vehicles changed, and grew and evolved over time. They roped in other people. It was a... Growing process. Okay. I mean, really, I'm fine with that. It's just a little too callback-ish for my taste, considering the actor. A little too convenient for you? Yeah. That's but fine. that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. As I was looking at armor stuff related to Joe, I did find a reference to a 1983 movie by Italian director Enzo G. Castellari, who listeners will probably recognize as the director of 1990 The Bronx Warriors, that movie that we watched during hiatus. But he did another post-apocalyptic movie called The New Barbarians, which featured a character who wore armor pieces made up of plexiglass. And uh, the quality of that movie is vastly lower (laughs) than this one. I watched the trailer and it's something. I'll have to watch it. It's really something. Yeah, I think that's the best way to describe it. I only like a post-apocalyptic stuff if it's done well. And so it's hard to, you know, because when you get that suspension of belief, disbelief, you got to like kind of work in there and it's like, oh, I could buy this. But if it's not done well, it's like, oh, they got that at Kmart. Then it mm-hmm. doesn't really like have that same feel. This, across the board, fantastic. The monthly film bulletin once described the film as a shamelessly watered down, warmed over version of Mad Max 2. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. So the final piece of the Immortan Joe puzzle, you could almost say the final piece de resistance. Exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. Is Joe's incredibly oversized belt ornament, which I know there's been and exploding on the internet of this term called man spreading. When you have a belt buckle this big, I don't think you can sit normally. I think you have to man spread. 
Well, when you're a dictator, first of all, you get to manspread because all the space is yours. That's true. So it's not manspreading. You're just sitting in your own space. I don't think he knows how to sit without his legs open. Yeah. No. He's too manly for that. I do wonder about this belt buckle. It was probably made by the same weird closeted crafter people. Yeah, definitely. When it's put on, it's just resting there. It's not like it clips in. So it doesn't have a great deal of stability. So it's just a decorative piece that he wears when he's just like walking around. It's like a sporin. He's not actually going to do anything in it. Like later on down the movie, when he's driving around, I'll bet you he's not wearing it. No, it's like dress blues. It is. With uh, military humans. Yeah. He takes it off and hangs it on his seat behind him when he drives. But the people can't see it. So there's no point to it. There's no point to it. That's what I'm saying. But he knows it's there. They might know it's there, though. Yeah. From the money they have that has pictures of him on it. Yep. This is true. (laughs) Joe having this medallion put on his waistband just so he could walk to the edge of the balcony and talk down at people. Sure, he could go without it. But if you're in a video conference on the internet and people will only see you from the waist up, you could show up without pants. Yeah, you can show up without pants. But... At least I wear pants when I do that. So it's the same sort of thing. All of us really, we just all shook our heads at you. Yeah, We're like, like, Am I no. the only one wearing pants right now? Yeah, you might be. You are. Oh my gosh. You're not supposed to wear pants when you're podcasting, yeah. Rick. It's called podcasting, not pants casting. <laughs> well, even on Saturday Night Live, the weekend update guys, they're not wearing an entire suit. They're just wearing the top half. The bottom half is just jeans. They're being comfortable. They're wearing the muffin I'd be wearing sweats, but, you know, they're only dressed up from the waist up. I guess I shouldn't complain too much because all of the scenes in RoboCop where Peter Weller was driving or Mm -hmm. moving up and down stairs, he wasn't wearing the bottom half of the costume. So exactly. There's a lot of precedent for it. This is is exactly my point. But his position in this community, society, cult is much more symbolic than the Weekend Update guys or podcasters around the world. So I also think that, I mean, obviously this is a parallel to the steering wheel that Furiosa installs and the truck. They had this sort of like weird, like talismanic usage of this. That's why each individual driver has their own steering wheel. It's because that's their totem. That's their good luck. That's their identity. They imbue themselves into that when they, you know, choose it. And so this piece for him is like, it's not, I mean, his suit would not be complete without it. And he would feel naked, I guess. So right. it's it's having this sort of like weird skeletal skull, you know, it's like in the same style too. It's just, you know, how they're made. You know, it's all in his head. He, he needs it. It's his, it's his binky. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of a talisman or religious symbology, which this week is so heavy, especially on Friday. When you're talking about religion and the physical things that go along with that, not all of those things are for the public to see. Some of them are just for you. They're not all outward shows. Right. It makes them feel nice. Yeah. Like when women wear fancy underpants for themselves. I don't, but some do. <laughs> so my friends were like, I love matching sets. I love the way I feel when my bra matches my underwear. And I'm like, that sounds expensive. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of binkies and <laughs> things that make people feel good, we see Joe finally being able to see his face as he raises this mask up to his head. And it covers you know, his nose, his mouth, his chin, 
we just see his eyes and his hair poking out to see that okay yeah this is actually a real guy it's not some sort of weird like flesh homunculus it is an actual person <laughs> it's Hugh Keysburn who most people will recognize as Toe Cutter uh, recognize I don't think we're recognizing him in this movie well when you hear the name Hugh yeah. Keysburn if you're interested in his history you can go back to season one of the Mad Max Minute go to minute 21 of that first season just go to madmaxminute.com you can find it there you can only find it there that's true Thank you, it's Squarespace, so old. for how you do RSS feeds. <laughs> this mask, oh, it drives me nuts, and I spent quite a bit of time researching it. <laughs> I work for a sleep therapy and oxygen company, so this is right up my alley. And these parts are pulled from so many different things, and bringing them together means absolutely nothing. <laughs> this mask does nothing. It looks cool. It does look it cool. It looks cool, and that is great. It makes his little cowl do the boss nass thing when he breathes. Yeah. <laughs> his air bladder on the back of his neck. <laughs> I think the best way that you described how it works is that it's similar to, like, in an airline when the air mask comes down. Oh, the back no, I take plate. that all back. Oh, really? Yeah, that was all incorrect. What? I can't keep up. Julia... My first thought was that it was a non-rebreather, which is an oxygen system similar to what you see in airplanes where you have the bag yeah. that doesn't inflate all the way. Mm -hmm. At first, I thought it was that, but there's no external tanks. They don't have oxygen. He's not breathing extra oxygen to make him feel good. And plus, those gigantic tubes coming out of the mask, those are clearly CPAP tubes. Continuous positive airway pressure. That's mm. what CPAP stands for. Oh, Wow. You can't force oxygen through those. It's going to dilute, and then you're just breathing regular air. Huh. It's not a CPAP. It's not oxygen. I think it's just filtered air. Yeah, because the construction, as far as I recognize it, there are two automotive air filters that sit on his shoulders, and those connect via tubes to the bladder, and the bladder opens and closes like a bellows in a furnace, and that pushes air into the tubes that go into the side of the mask. But the mask is not sealed around the edges it has the ability to open up and close like a mouth so i guess the idea is that you're breathing filtered air well yeah it makes sense because he is the ruler of this little enclave he controls the water and it seems like it's more of a status symbol that he breathes filtered purified air because he is elevated above them as far as mm. like you know status so he can do this it's it's, it's like a, a token of his 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 power Huh. Definitely. Yeah, it's hard to see it as anything other than a symbol that he just breathes better. Just like his codpiece. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it just seems like a sugar pill that you wear on your face. <laughs> and until the very, very end of the movie, we don't see him without the mask. Mm -hmm. We don't know what it looks like under there. I know at the very end of the movie, and I'm sure we will deep dive into this, he gets, like, his face ripped off, his jaw ripped off. Yeah. But do we know he had a jaw to begin with? I mean, I know he speaks fairly clearly, but I'm wondering if this is also serving as hiding some grotesque features. I Honestly, I think it's just got some essential oils in there, and he just likes to smell of lavender when he's going about his daily business. Mm, very calming. Yeah. So it's like a plague so, mask thing? Yeah. That makes sense. He, I mean, he does keep his temper pretty well. Yeah, just keeps it keeps it on the down low. Maybe it's got some CBD oil or something like I that. I need some Ylang now. 
Yeah, maybe there's something else in the bellows. Yeah. That he is gently sedating himself, making himself feel good. Like produce isn't the only thing they grow at the top of the citadel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. That's actually really plausible. It's the biggest vape rig ever. I'm yeah. actually surprised that I haven't seen an Immortan Joe style, would you call it a vape rig? The bomb? <laughs> yeah. Like glass piece? I wonder if there is one. Hmm. As we all start furiously I know, right? to try music. I remember when I was walking around Vegas with former guest on the show, Nate, we were walking around the different shops and there were a couple of, I don't know what you call a fancy hat store. Chapeau, a haberdashery. A haberdashery. Hell yeah, big words. But they had a steampunk section, and in the steampunk section, they had replica Immortan Joe masks that were made out of molded plastic. And I'm like, first of all, that looks cheap as hell. <laughs> and they were not inexpensive. They were pricey pieces. Hmm. Well, I have no doubt that this mask, this prop, is made out of plastic. It's just painted better. Yeah. I can't stop looking at pictures of this mask. <laughs> it's really cool mask. It yeah. really yeah. is. There's so much awesome detail. Because if you look at like the weather teeth that are like either wood or actual like animal teeth that have just sort of been patinaed and with the little bolts on the tops of the rivets and then just, you know, this like crazy death mask thing going on. It's it's fascinating piece. The, the art is amazing. Well, they definitely are animal teeth. Do you want to venture a guess as to what type of animal? Donkey. Beaver. Mule. I know what kind of animal they are. Horse? Crystal got it right, because they are horse teeth. Oh. Hmm. Justin Beaver. <laughs> they are Justin Beaver's teeth. Uh, something else about the mask that I'm noticing is the butt chin. <laughs> yes, it's strong and distinguished. Well, you got to build that in there. So I'm wondering if Hughes key. Yep, he does. He does have a butt chin. I'm sure there's a kinder way to put that. <laughs> I think it's a clefted chin. I think yeah. so. Yeah. So that is a representation of the shape of Immortan Joe's chin, or what it used to look like. Mm. He misses it. Cheaper than plastic surgery, that's for sure. I don't know. They had to kill a horse. Horses are expensive. Not if it just died. They might have just found the bones. They might have been walking through the desert and they found one half sucked into quicksand. Artax! <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when the Swamp of Sadness dries up. It's just oh, the death, you know, that's the remnants. So apparently now... Neverending Story and Mad Max are in the same universe. Yep. There you go. I'd buy that. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw the giant turtle in the old green place. Mm, okay. It's actually pretty appropriate to yeah, see that it's yeah. very a giant fitting. turtle in that space. That's just off screen. Yeah. It's a bad angle to the see turtle it, moves. But it's probably there. The turtle moves. Yeah. So we go from looking at Joe putting his mask on to the platform across the way this is the top of the elevator and you've got these massive tread wheels that these wretched are walking along and this is the mechanical power that allows the elevator to go up and down i think they've got like some 20 30 people on each wheel it's still pretty slow going because it's probably geared a certain way despite all the counterweights but underneath the tread wheels you have all of these painted war boys and war pups that are coming to the edge because Things are about to go down. <laughs> Literally. I love the term war pup. It's so cute. It's it adorable. is, but also sad because they don't stand a chance at living a full nope. life. Half life is better than no life, right? Yeah. I think that's debatable. 
you could say that there are a lot of people who invested a lot of time in the video game Half-Life that have no life, but, yeah. you know. Yep. It's just a Half-Life life for them. <laughs> I mean, that's what the church did. They were like, oh. Play video heaven's going to be great. And then everyone started killing themselves. And they're like, but suicide will send you to hell. So keep giving us your money. <laughs> Half-Life is still good. Don't worry, oh. the full life will be good too. But please stay alive. You ever wonder if the war boys are like, going around the the big room scrubbing down the floors and they're singing a little song about how it's a half it's a half life life for us it's a hard yeah. half life for <laughs> us it's a hard half life for us <laughs> set of kickins we get cancer <laughs> <laughs> it's true well we know that music is a big part of their world yeah. and yep, their other probably. favorite singing song is let's hear it for war boys let's hear it for war boys <laughs> Oh, because some of them really do need a hand. A lot of them yeah. don't have both. Furiosa does. Oh, man. One thing that really stands out on these platforms are the giant mirrors that are being swung around because these are the spotlights that are getting pointed across the courtyard. It's a hard spotlight for us. <laughs> and they are illuminating the balcony that Joe is going to appear of. And the balcony is in the mouth of the giant emblem. Another skull. So many skulls. Aziz, light. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what movie is that from? The Fifth Element. Oh, I've heard. I've heard of that. I've never seen. Yeah, it. I've talked about it a little bit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so with his spotlights in place, Joe rises to his feet and he's flanked by his attendants. And I guess he walks, but he's also like half like supporting himself. Yeah. He's not out of shape. He's just you know not in shape. Getting on in years. He walks like how Mama, oh gosh, oh, the brothers in the Goonies. Mama. Fratelli. Fratelli. He walks like how she runs. <laughs> with like that side to side gait. It's a waddle. Yeah. It's like the opposite of swagger. Yeah. It's a swaggle. <laughs> so these guys with the black scarves, these are additional Imperators, pretty much on the same rank as Furiosa. And the guy on joe's right is his son rictus erectus <laughs> erectus damn near killed us <laughs> and then as joe and his attendants pass the camera we get to see joe's other son corpus colossus and he is sitting in his little chair in front of this massive reserve of water yeah yep. as we mentioned back in week one we don't necessarily know what happened to Joe's other son. His name is Scrotus. Oh. The best names. Scabarus Scrotus. You should have paid attention to this, Bruce Willis, and to me more. <laughs> <laughs> just these names are just so dumb. Yeah. I think they're great. But they're also like kind of dumb, and I think it suits them. It did just occur to me, I looked up what an Imperator was. So an Imperator, which I closed it, so this is off the top of my head. An Imperator is a commander who has been granted the title of Imperator by the Emperor based on successes. So it's a, a commander who has been successful. Right. It's from Roman culture. So this naming convention that Immortan Joe has that is rather Roman as well. So he's pulling from that culture. Yeah. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, that is some fascinating things. Uh, so you know how we were talking about his codpiece? 
I was thinking about it. He can't really stand up. He'd have to keep his legs all the way open when he stood up in like a squat, mm-hmm. unless he flipped his pelvis up a little bit and flipped the like chain part forward, and then yeah. he could start walking, or he'd have to lift it up with his hands, or he would hurt his legs. Or he gets the guys to help him lift stand. Yeah, and like- he kind of has to like swing his leg behind him, but if the guys weren't there, he'd have to like put his hands back on the chair and like flip his pelvis up and then stand up on his own. So that's that's why he keeps his sons is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it all sounds terribly inconvenient. Yeah. I do like that he isn't judgmental against his son born with special needs. Yeah. Oh, I think he is judgmental against his son born with special needs. Well, he didn't kill him. That's what I meant. He could have tossed him off the top. Well, yes, he could have tossed him off the top. He could have ground him to a powder and have him blown onto his open sores. But they will never be leaders. No. That's the thing about Joe. Like, he's got Scrotus. No, Scrotus is MIA. So we're going to stop talking about Scrotus. But Rictus is a mountain of a man but he's got the mind of a child. And then Corpus has an amazing intellect, but his body is all small mm-hmm. and not terribly mobile. Awfully master blastery. Very master blastery. <laughs> so I imagine that they probably have feelings about the fact that Joe is constantly trying to sire new heirs that are physically fit enough to succeed him and that they know that they'll never get there. But, you know, I don't think they'd share those. Well, later on down the movie, when a son is born, dead, Rictus Erectus is awfully proud that there was a son mm-hmm. and that he was perfect in every way. He shouts it to everybody and he sounds like the proudest older brother. Mm-hmm. I have a baby brother. I think that kind of speaks to his simple mindedness. Yeah. Or his acceptance of the fact that he will never be the heir. He will always be second fiddle to somebody who is more perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. And would they ever reach the perfection? That too. Like no one might be perfect. Speaking of folks being second fiddle, we go outside to the ground where we see gathered around these folks, the maimed and haggard and dusty, dirty people. These are folks called the 99%. Mm-hmm. They're called the wretched. Same thing. And they just kind of hang out. These are the old, the infirm, the refugees, the tired wanderers. They hear about Immortan Joe and all this water and power that he has. And so they show up hoping to, I guess, get some of that action. And they either get enslaved to the Citadel or just live out in the dirt. So you don't think that this is a temporary gathering of people who live, you know, actually have dwellings? Like a bunch of moisture farmers? Yeah, outside the citadel and just have gathered here because they know it's time for things to happen you think they just kind of live here i'm sure they probably wander out at times but i don't think they have any other place they go right okay i think if you're here you're just here this is it no matter where you go there you are (laughs) if you lived here you'd be home by now exactly (laughs) but they're hanging around specifically because they've heard that there's water And they're just hoping to get a taste of that. So with all these people gathered down below, one of the Imperators, he goes to the edge of the balcony and he shouts down to the people because they're urgently awaiting Joe's arrival. And he says, rev it up for the Immortan Joe. And I'm like, there's no possible way that anybody heard this guy. I don't care how loud you're shouting. Right. 
It's the image of it, though. Yeah. Someone's clearly yelling something, and people are like, yes, it's going good. That's that's right. That's so crowd mentality. <laughs> Next thing you know, someone's going to start the wave, which is going to be really ironic because <laughs> there's no water around there. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, now you're just teasing us. Speaking of teasing us, Joe walks to the edge of the balcony. He gets handed a microphone, and he raises it to his face, and he says, once again, and then the minute cuts off. <sighs> Sometimes these movies are edited to the minute, and you can tell because of the way the scenes fall. This one's not mm-hmm. one of those. Not in this instance. Nope. Certainly not. So we're just going to have to wait until Friday to figure out where this little presentation public address goes. Suck it up, listeners. It's the Amorton Joe Show. We'll continue with the man himself speaking to the wretched ones gathered below. The Mad Max Minute Podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham. The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy, is presented by Kennedy Miller Mitchell Productions, and distributed by Warner Brothers. Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is Verdi's Dies Irae by Daniel Batista of DanielBatista.com. Our home on the internet is MadMaxMinute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at MadMaxMinute, like us on Facebook by searching for MadMaxMinute, and join our Facebook listener group, MadMaxMinute Beyond Microphone. If you'd like to support the podcast, visit MadMaxMinute.com, where you can see what's in our Tee Public store, join our Patreon, or even donate to the show to help us keep the tanks full. Thank you for joining us for Minute 8 of Fury Road. We'll see you next time.